The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray in his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. The PFF NFL Podcast is brought to you by Simply Safe. If you've been thinking about getting a Simply Safe home security system but have been waiting for the holidays when all the tech deals come out, you've made a smart move. Because right now you can get a great deal on Simply Safe. Just go to simplysafe.com slash PFF. You'll get 25% off any new system. It's an amazing deal. They rarely do this, but they're doing it just for us. Simplysafe.com slash PFF. Simply Safe is great protection for your home and family. They don't make you sign a contract, and there's no hidden fees. They're getting great reviews. CNET, PC Mag, and Wirecutter all say Simply Safe is the best security system there is. So if you're looking for a security system and want a great deal, go to simplysafe.com slash PFF to save 25%. Make sure to use that URL because it really helps out the show. That's simplysafe.com slash PFF. And hurry up. This deal ends November 26th. The PFF NFL podcast is also brought to you by Pluto TV, the leading free streaming television service. Watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand all for free. No credit card needed. No sign up. Pluto TV is easy and a completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies. What are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again. Download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today. The PFF NFL podcast is also brought to you by True Car. If you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what it stands for, but what does it actually mean? The same goes for invoice, list price, and dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. Introducing True Price from True Car. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories, before you even get to the dealership. True Car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of your home. And how do you know if True Price is a great price? Because True Car shows you what other people paid for the same car you want. And your certified dealers know this, so they set their True Price competitively so they can win your business. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzolo back here with Sam Monson. We are live on YouTube, Sam. Our classic Monday now going live. And if you guys are just tuning in, we're going to get right to it. You guys get a discount on PFF products if you want. If you use the promo code YouTube, you get 25% off any 
PFF product right now. So whether you're watching on YouTube or even listening on the podcast, we're doing it. 25% off promo code YouTube. You can use it for Edge. You can use it for Elite. Sam, what's everybody getting with this 25% off? Well, they're getting a quarter of the money they would be paying off, Steve. That's oh, how 25% works. hoping you describe one of the products. A oh, I see. More. Okay. Well, if you're going for the Elite product, you get Premium Stats 2.0, the revamped, reskinned, re, you know, everything. Reworked Premium Stats, you also get access to Greenline. That's where you get our picks based on the PFF data that nobody else has access to. Win yourself some money back using that. Yeah, uh, Elite's the big one. This is... 25% off is, is kind of huge yeah. for that. So we hope people use it. Promo code is YouTube. All right, we're getting into our week 10 review. Week 10 action. A lot of stuff to talk about. We're going to talk about the Saints and Seahawks. Uh, sorry, the Rams and the Seahawks. Saints and Bengals because there's some corresponding injuries and moves there that are important. We'll talk about my Thursday night prediction, which was awesome again. Pressure's back on you, Sam, after my Thursday night Prediction, we had some surprises, the Titans upsetting, the New England Patriots, a lot to cover on this one. Let's start. Can we start with my Thursday night prediction? Sure. Since that kicked off the the week. I predicted what? So I was off on the catches for Christian McCaffrey. I said he'd have like 14 catches. He only had five, but I predicted about 140 yards and two touch one or two touchdowns he had what three touchdowns yeah you were like two yards off and you or you undersold him by a touchdown yeah i mean when you're predicting the future i think ballpark is yeah, reasonably exact right you were 10 yards off nick mullins but right. it's like you know other people would have predicted 90 yards and you were over there at 250 mm. bold yeah. so pressure's on for you seahawks packers this thursday yeah i've got one of mine already i think we're you covered. Do? we're good yeah I can't wait so every week looking ahead we like to Predict the Thursday night game. We had a good one. Um, we have to. We are like five in a row I know, of actually ridiculous. nailing this. We need to start putting. Like, um, we need to put a little montage together. Multiple people on Twitter are now claiming that we release these after the game so that we look smart. See, I thought people might accuse us of that, right? And and they think that we're really really shrewd, and we're like, okay, we'll we'll just get in the ballpark. We can't we can't do it perfectly. Right. If I was doing this illegally, I would have. I'd nail it perfectly. Well, no, because then I, it, it is what it, it, the way it has gone is what you would do if you were trying to make it seem like you could do that because you wouldn't put it exact. You'd, like I said, Osweiler awesome 48.3, but it's right. really 48.9. It would be too obvious if we were nailing it every single week. But we are like five weeks running where we've basically predicted the future. I swear it's real. You started with the Baker coming in and saving the Browns. And yeah. since then, we've nailed pretty much every one. The only thing I've screwed up was Brandon Graham and the sacks. Yeah. It's the only one. I was wrong. Mm. Everything else was right. Everything else was great. But we called Nick Mullins. We called Baker coming off the bench to save the Browns. We called Andrew Luck. Yeah, Luck's exact. Christian McCaffrey. I got Osweiler's grade. got Osweiler's grade within a a grading point. It's pretty impressive. A lot of fun. Um, Actually, from this game, though, you know, I keep joking about how I don't believe in the Panthers. This was an ugly one for them. The Steelers scoring 52, and they go from the team that early in the season, they got some question marks, and they're tying games against the Browns and all this stuff, and now they're just rolling. And we talked about Big Ben earlier in the season, not grading well, but always being capable, obviously, of playing well. Now he's, what an unbelievable game he had, and uh, the defense playing a little bit better. Yeah, I still don't always believe in the Pittsburgh defense when they go up against a really good offense, though. That's always, that's like five years running with me and the Steelers. And this Le'Veon Bell saga as well. He's back in Pittsburgh, but doesn't sound like he's actually going to be reporting and will sit Which out the year. done. I mean, that's the last we'll talk about him. Yeah. That's it. Um, what, the thing that I found weird is that there was a whole article about how the Steelers were trying to convince him not to show up, 
right? Because, you know, James Conner is playing fantastically. They're actually better off if they don't have that headache walking in the building, even though he's a really talented player. So the reason for this is because there was a report on NFL Network that said if he doesn't show and he sits out the year and they try to franchise tag him again, the franchise tag would be at the quarterback level. Right. Right. And the, the logic was, well, NFL Network is a league-owned entity. It's, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers' own NFL Network. They wouldn't allow that to go out unless they were trying to send him a message. So someone's crying big conspiracy theory here. Right. Unless they were trying to send him the message that you shouldn't show up and it's better for you. It's better for everybody. Okay, fine. There's logic in that. I see where you're going. However, counterpoint, if they wanted to do that, why not just pick up the phone and say, hey, Le'Veon, you don't show. We'll have to franchise tag you at the quarterback level, and we don't want any part of that. It's better for everybody. You yeah, sit at home. You get your money. We don't get you walking in the building, screwing up our season. Everybody's a winner, right? Why not just pick them up instead of expecting them to diagnose your like propaganda, like hidden message subterfuge? It's a better story. It's a better well, story. It is. Help. It sounds like a dumber story to me, but okay. Yeah. So Anywho. anyway, Pittsburgh still rolling without Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. Um, I don't always want to be the guy that's like, see, they're doing well without Le'Veon, therefore he's useless because you still have to give credit to James Conner yeah. for playing extremely well. So I don't want to completely dismiss this, but there's a lot of numbers that point to without Le'Veon Bell, the Steelers have continued to uh, excel offensively. Well, they've had good backups throughout his tenure. I mean, D'Angelo Williams was a talented player. Yeah, he had a James really good Conner is a talented player, but it also reinforces this idea of like the running back is the guy that can add value on top of an already good situation. Yeah. And if you have the already good situation, if you have a reasonable half decent running back, he's going to get a serious amount of production. Like it's just inevitable. Yep. And the Steelers have this fantastic situation between the quarterback, the passing game, an offensive line that's been together for years. Like they're in a good position for any running back to have success. We just did a video for NFL.com last week that uh, ranked the top offensive lines. It was over on, on the site, profootballfocus.com. Steelers at number one. And it wasn't because of one individual player or individual efforts. Just the story in Pittsburgh the last few years, for the most part, has been consistent across the board with that offensive line and that works for the run game and in pass protection they've been uh just really solid up front and that's uh also a factor in james connor's production let's get to some of the big games from yesterday on sunday so seahawks at the rams uh very similar to their previous game at seattle this is the one where i thought it might be a little bit wider of a of a gap in this one seattle falls short 36 31 rams win again and uh, the Rams have, have done a good job getting into these shootouts and, and coming out on top for the most part. And of course, they lost to the Saints the previous week, but the, Saints, the Rams are used to this high-scoring affair where they have to uh, you know, pull, pull one out. Yeah. Um, Aaron Donald had a bounce-back game that we said he might. You know, This idea that Seattle managed to keep him quiet once it was probably not going to happen again. Three sacks. And, yeah, it didn't. Uh, Donald basically tore them to pieces, was... A huge part of down the stretch when the Seahawks had to actually execute a drive, um, you know, passing every single play to try and get this to happen. Only weirdly, they weren't passing every single play. But either way, Donald was just tearing into the backfield every snap that time. Um, they were doing a lot of uh, stunting and everything with him. Yeah. You could see back-to-back snaps. They'd stunt him around the tackle. Then they do a tackle-tackle stunt where he was staying on the interior. They were doing a good job trying to free him up a couple unblocked 
pressures in there as well. Yeah, I mean, doing that essentially ensures that he goes one-on-one, which right. is all you need for Aaron Donald to win. Is as long as you can ensure there isn't a double team on the play, he's going to get into the backfield pretty quickly. Uh, and that's what was happening there. Huge thing for this game, though, for the Rams is that they lost Cooper Cup to a torn ACL. Went right. down with the classic non-contact injury, just running yeah. a route, and then, bam, hits the, hits the ground. Uh, and it was confirmed, so his torn ACL he's done for the year that's a major blow for them um, we were we were watching in the office and I'm no expert but we saw him go down we're like all right that's not I mean it always is right the guy good. buckles to the ground for no reason in the middle of a route it's something popped in his knee yeah and so the Rams the Rams use three wide receivers so 11 personnel that's one running back one tight end three wide receivers they use it about 95 96 percent of the time by far the highest in the NFL that's what you know Peyton Manning's Colts used to do quite a bit it was a lot of three wide receivers and a lot of just two tight ends. But the Rams are extreme on that end, and their three main receivers, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, with Cooper Cup manning the slot. Now, Robert Woods, moves around, they, they move those guys around. They use tight formations, and a lot of them are interchangeable. But this is a big thing for them. Cup, play, uh, Cup plays a ton of snaps for them. So it's going to be Cooks, it's going to be Robert Woods, and most likely Josh Reynolds picking up the slack. Josh Reynolds has done a good job uh, when he's been out there. He's got a few touchdowns this season. The, overall, he's been okay. But Cooper Cup does bring that that special slot weapon to this offense, and that's going to be a tough loss. Yeah, I mean he's a good player, and and that's the it's not so much that they you know can't patch it up; it's that you are forced into the bench and you're forced to bring in a guy like Josh Reynolds, who's the next man up there, and there is a notable uh, drop off between Cooper Cup and Josh Reynolds. So it, no matter what way you look at it, it's definitely a blow to this Rams offense. Um, the eleven personnel thing is interesting because. This is as extreme as anybody we've ever seen do this, essentially, in terms of sticking to one personnel grouping. And this was the thing that um, Ben McAdoo was harpooned for in New York. They they only ever run 11 personnel. It's too much. It's too obvious. Everybody knows what's coming. Right. Only it turns out that the personnel grouping is almost irrelevant. It's the plays you're executing and how well you're executing them from that personnel grouping that are far more important. So the Rams are running 11 personnel more than anybody we've ever seen, and it's working. They have the best offense yep. in the league, or one of the best. And, and McAdoo of, had the same problem, except the offense wasn't as good. So it was the 11 personnel that was the problem. I think McAdoo ran into the same problem that a lot of people are complaining about Mike McCarthy, though, because that's, that's the system. That's where McAdoo came out of, that you might be using a lot of three wide receiver sets, but there's not a lot of gimmies. There's not a lot of easy... Throws. Right. There's not a lot of manufactured throws. That was the McAdoo issue. Yeah. That's potentially the Mike McCarthy issue in Green Bay. The thing that makes the Rams so spectacular, and going back to this this Todd Gurley thing again, right? And in, in his in his MVP case, as we were sitting here in the office watching, how how good does that Rams offensive line on their zones in their zone scheme on cutback runs? You know, Gurley hits the hole and he cuts back three or four yards of space consistently. And so that's one thing. The offensive line's doing a great job. But I think where McVay's really, really good, the eternal question for offensive coaches is what do you do with like an unblocked backside guy, right? Because the run game's all about numbers advantages. So for years, you run outside zone one way, and then the running uh, the quarterback has to come out with boot action, and you have to hold that unblocked guy, right? They have new ways of doing this. Jet sweeps and... You know, zone key, uh, read option type stuff. So there's all these different ways to like hold the backside guy. And the Rams just creatively do it all the time with all their jet motions and all the different variations that they, that they throw at you. So similar, 
same personnel group all the time, but just so much eye candy, as they say, to just <laughs> distract the defense. And that's one of those big reasons why the, it helps the offensive line. It helps Todd Gurley. It helps Jared Goff. And that's part of what good scheming is in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, personnel groupings are essentially irrelevant to what it is. They, they're not determining how successful or otherwise your scheme is. They're just the guys that are executing the job. So when somebody, so when somebody has a poorly functioning offense and they happen to run one personnel grouping a huge amount, that's not the cause. That's just, it's just a, a side adornment to whatever it is you're trying to identify as a problem. Yep. So that's it. So another, another tough loss for the Seahawks and, uh, their, their season's falling apart just a little bit from a win loss standpoint. But again, you know, I think they've I think they've outperformed what I expected given their roster. Russell Wilson did his best yesterday. That first touchdown that he threw under pressure, tight window was outstanding. Your boy Rashad Penny, yeah, went off. Still lives. Um, yeah, I think the Seahawks they have outperformed what we thought they would be. I think they still will over the rest of the season. They could end up still just about finding their way into wild card contention. I'm probably missing out because they had to play the Rams twice. Into contention, you're saying. Into I mean, wild card contention. Yeah. There's just it's just so tight in the NFC though. Yeah. Like they're two games behind the leaders for the wild card race. Right. So but they I it wouldn't surprise me if they ended up being, you know, a game back by the end of the season, more or less in contention, but missing out because you had to play the Rams twice in a season and lost out in the shootout. Yeah, I can times. see that. So that was uh Rams over Seahawks. The other uh story to discuss, couple stories, the Saints absolutely destroy the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. Drew Brees, spectacular once again, even outdoors, uh, was awesome yesterday throwing the ball. And man, you know, that that offense is so tough to defend. I mean, you everybody knows about Alvin Kamara. Everybody knows about Michael Thomas. You have Mark Ingram with a 30-yard 30, 30 screen pass for a touchdown. You still have to prepare for Taysom Hill, which our boy Mike Renner is going to have a little write-up on him. He plays another 23 snaps. This offense is really tough to prepare for. Yeah, and they they scored, what, five straight opening possessions, I think were touchdowns. Uh, Thomas Morstead, their punter, didn't have to kick yesterday. You see that picture at all? that they yeah. posted? Yeah. Yeah, so the Saints posted a picture of him chilling in his locker room, essentially asleep, the, tire, the, the long, tiring day he had doing nothing. Um, yeah, I mean, they absolutely tore the Bengals to pieces. The Bengals, whose defense had given up, uh, the most yards ever in a four-game stretch by, I think, halftime of this game. That's so amazing. with another half still to play, they had given up the most po- uh, the most yards we'd ever seen over a four-game stretch in NFL history. And after that, uh, Terrell, Terrell Austin got fired. He's out. Yeah. Marvin Lewis is now assuming defensive coordinator responsibilities, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. He hasn't uh, been actual defensive coordinator in years For years yeah. but he was the guy right way he was back. the architect of the ravens yeah of the 2000 ravens yeah. defense so i watched a, a fun two-hour clinic of his talking about defense it was to high school coaches it was it was interesting to me you know learning you watched a fun two-hour clinic. i thought it was fun he was but he was talking about all the different styles that he's teaching his six technique and all these things and you could hear high school coaches in the back saying i can't teach this so he was teaching high school kids like nfl concepts Made sense to me watching the NFL and everything, but the high school coaches were like, two, "I got to keep it simple." Two hours. It's about two hours. That's pretty. Long. With the old um, overhead projector, gotta love. Where you just we just draw on the projector and you just cycle through all the different sheets of paper and all. That. It was great. It's a lot of good stuff. It's probably out there. It's and, a whole generation of kids growing up with no idea what an overhead projector is. I know. I know. 
but it was fun back in the day. So the Saints continue to roll. Uh, you know, uh, look, Saints versus Rams. We saw the Saints win at home, and we kept saying, "Well, if you flipped it to LA, maybe the maybe the result changes." But man, the Saints looking really good. I mean, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But I would say it, it's starting to look like the Rams. I mean, do they need to get home field advantage? Not because it's big for them, but because Rams. yeah. Not because it's necessarily big for them, but because not having to go into New Orleans. Oh, yeah, not is going huge. to the dome. I, I think the Saints right now are starting to look like essentially what the Patriots have been over the last eighteen years. Is this team that can put up fifty, win a game fifty one to fourteen, but also win a game like we talked about three weeks ago, Drew Brees had his worst game of the season and they found, you know, ways yeah. to win defensively. So they can win multiple ways. Win with running backs, win with receivers, win with defense, and oh by the way, if all of that else uh, all else fails, we have a top notch quarterback that's going to go win the game for us too. I, that's what the Saints feel like right now is the Patriots of the last however Brady years. Sheldon Rankins for them has quietly started to yeah. absolutely dominate in the middle of that defensive line. He has generated pressure in every single game so far this season. Uh, the past three games, he has averaged more than four pressures and absolutely wrecked some offensive linemen over that stretch. Uh, now, granted, other than the fact that they played the Rams, those are not the greatest sets of offensive lines you're going to run into. So the Vikings, obviously, you destroyed that. Yeah. Uh, the Rams do have a good offensive line, though. And then the Bengals. Uh, but even against the Bengals, it was he was destroying their best offensive linemen. So Clint Bowling, he drove into the backfield like he wasn't there. Like He has been absolutely destroying guys for power right up the middle of that defensive line. And again, the same way that, um, you know, the Bengals are a different side when you have that secondary threat to A.J. Green on offense. When you have somebody else that can take attention away from Cameron Jordan on right. the defensive line for the Saints, they're a different unit. Well, that's what we talked about with the, with the Chiefs and why that defense yeah. starts to get more dangerous when you, you just have Chris Jones and D. Ford. But if the two of those guys can get after the quarterback at a high rate, two, two really good players might be enough. And you bring Justin Houston back into the fold. Right in Kansas City. I want to before we get to the the Chiefs. Uh, let's discuss Sunday Night Football. Uh, Dallas Cowboys at the Philadelphia Eagles just came out from Ian Rappaport that Ronald Darby's out for the season. So let's unpack the NFC East real quick. So let's combine this with Redskins Bucks, which just was ridiculous. Some of the stuff that came out of that game, sixteen to three, yeah, in that game, and the NFC East in general. I, I still don't believe in the Redskins. I still think that the Eagles are the best team, but the Eagles are just running out of time. They're not supposed to lose that game at home against the Dallas Cowboys, and they're just depleted yeah, in that secondary. They're running out of bodies in the secondary. Um, Razul Douglas played basically the entire game and got roasted, um, and now they're down Darby, so they're even further into the bench, and now you're starting to get to the point where they're dragging out defensive backs that... You do not have names that belong on the field right now. Right. Um, so that, yeah, could be a real problem. Your boy Brandon Graham got two sacks, though. He's, so on a, in our bet, yeah. we're catching up. I needed 10 sacks out of him. Right. EFF numbers. You, he just doubled his sack total for the year. So I need six sacks. In seven games. In seven games from Brandon Graham. That's to doable. avoid having to buy me lunch. That's doable. Still have another Giants game in there. Yeah. Even though he was shut out right. from them for the yes. first time. I need, what do I need? Do they play the Packers? Well, if they do, that's not happening. No, I need I need Deshaun Kaiser is what I need. I need Deshaun Brandon Graham. I need Deshaun Kaiser to play in a game so Brandon Graham can sack him like four times as he just sits and watches. 
That's what I really need. Yeah, and then your other bet, of course, is the Raiders winning any number of games. It's not going to happen. No, it's not. They're one and eight. Yeah, so but I'm definitely getting one lunch out of you. The question is, will Brandon Graham prevent yeah, I'm getting a, I'm going to buy you the All Raiders right, line. here we go. I've looked it up for you. So, Brandon Graham's stretch of games uh, for the remainder of the season at New Orleans. So, that's <sighs> so not that's happening. zero with Breeze. But then we get the Giants. Yeah. Then we get home against the Redskins, and frankly, they could be starting you a tackle. At yeah, that point. but Alex, you know, Alex Smith, he gets rid of the ball, but he takes sacks. Okay, at Dallas. Oh, Dak. Dak's just running backwards into sacks left and right now. At Los Angeles, Got Rams too quick, bad, good offensive line. Uh, away to the oh no, home against the Texans. Ooh, that's Deshaun, got a shot. We got a four sack game against Deshaun Watson, and then at Washington Redskins again. So there's two Alex Smith games there. Which so you've got bad. a Giants game, two Alex Smith games, a Dallas game, and the Texans. I mean, there's a chance. Okay. I mean, we need another. We need another multi-sack. Oh yeah. Performance. I mean, just because it's Brandon Graham, there's going to be one of those where he's going to get 12 pressures and no sacks. Um, yeah. So you're going to need you know, 11 hurries, one QB hit type of game. Right. So you're going to need a game in there where he gets a few. I'm banking on that Texans game and Deshaun Watson. L- let's figure out the NFC East right here. The, the Redskins are six and three. I'll bring it up. Are they the worst six and three <laughs> team in history? The Redskins. What do they do well? So give me the number in a second. Hold yes. on. But the Cowboys are four and five. Mm-hmm. The Eagles are four and five. Yeah. Like, I still think the Eagles are the best team in the division, but they're just so depleted at corner, they can't do anything. And they blew a couple, you know, fourth quarter game against Carolina and all that stuff. Man, the Eagles should be much better than this. And so look at the Redskins' point differential, too, before you. I know the stat you're going to drop, but 176 points for yeah. 175. A net of one. Net of one. The Cowboys have, no, the, the Eagles still have the best point differential by 15, and the Cowboys are there at 10. The Giants are negative 55. All right, give me this Redskins stat because you told it to me in the office yesterday and I didn't believe it. They're 6-3. and three. Yeah, it's one of the most incredible statistics I've ever heard. Um, the Redskins are 6-3, and three, and in their six wins, they have only ever held a lead, like other than, you know, the opening minutes before anybody scored. Right. They've only ever held a lead in the six wins, and in the three defeats, they've only ever held, they've only ever trailed. In 10, we- or 10 weeks, nine games, they have yet to have a lead change in a game. That's insane. That's, that's crazy. Like, that is ridiculous. It's also the most Alex Smith statistic of all time. It's really the most Alex Smith. I mean, that's just like, hey, guys, get me the lead. I'll hold it. I, I'm not going to throw any right. interceptions. But if we fall behind, I will not lead this comeback. If we get the I lead. I am not aggressive enough to lead it. If we get the lead, I will steer this ship for home and we won't have any problems. Yes, I will manage the hell out of this game. But if we go down, pack up and get out of here, we're done. I got nothing. Classic Alex Smith. Team. It really is, but I don't like. So six it's one of those. There's six and three. It's one Alex of those Smith. stats where I have no, I have no context for that, right? Because I've never heard anybody bring anything like up like that up before, right? So for all I know, this kind of happens a week eight every season for a team, but it sounds crazy. It can't because there's not a lot of teams that have this. The perception I have about the Redskins is I remember those bad losses, whether it was the Saints, whether it was um, who was it two weeks ago, where they just got smoked. Was it Carolina? Atlanta. 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 I mean, so I remember these bad losses that they've had. And, and and then you remember the good wins that they've had. They did a nice job against the Packers. And, you know, the defense can pressure the quarterback. And they've had some – they've had their moments in the back end in coverage. But I think their defense is just the NFL these days. Every time I'm ready to say, hey, this is a pretty good defense, they get smoked. Because right. every defense it's- is tied for 15th. It's just crazy. There are games where you see, you know, the lead change four times in the fourth quarter – 
The Redskins are now 10 weeks into the season and have yet to experience a lead change in a game. Yeah. That's, that's one of the most ludicrous things I've ever heard. So a couple specifics here. They beat the Tampa Bay Bucks 16-3. to And the other ludicrous number coming <laughs> out of this is the Bucks had 490 yards of offense, I believe it was. Something like that. And three points. Yeah. 400. Uh, Fitz threw for 400 yards. Yeah. They're on pace as a team, I believe, to surpass what you know Peyton Manning has the passing yards record for a season Jameis Winston plus Ryan Fitzpatrick together are on pace to to defeat that to beat that they're just chucking for yards left and right yeah I mean they the so this was a game where the kind of press coming out of this for the Redskins has been very positive you know we found a way to win this game it's like well your way of winning the game was to basically let Ryan Fitzpatrick torch you and then like implode in the red zone right like he just he did all sorts of crazy stuff like, don't get me wrong i love watching ryan fitzpatrick play football because it's the most entertaining thing in the world it's always something but happening. it's completely ridiculous and he there's so many bad plays in there in amongst the crazy good ones um they should have probably won this game given how easy they were able to move the ball on the redskins but they just kept throwing it away or conspiring to find ways to completely blow it in the red zone yeah jonathan allen with uh five pressures that ties his uh season high getting after the quarterback would still like to see a little better week-to-week consistency from from allen getting after the quarterback for the redskins uh tampa bay i don't know what i mean credit the defense they played better than they have most of the season they've, they've started to play a little bit better but man just so inconsistent week to week and then getting back to this dallas philadelphia deal gonna have mike renner in here later we're gonna shoot a little youtube video because he's declared today he thinks dallas is the best team in the nfc east we're six days removed seven days removed now from you know the skies falling in dallas we gotta blow the whole thing up troy aikman's calling for them to blow the whole thing up and there are weeks where that certainly looks like it should be the case in dallas especially their road games all season and then they step it up on the road at philadelphia sunday night football and even in that game, you're just like, Dak, what are you doing? Oh, Dak, nice play. Dak, what are you doing? Oh, that's nice. Just so inconsistent. Play for play, this yeah. team. I mean, his logic was the defense is the best defense in the division. And I can see a case for that. But he said they're the he's, he would pick them to win the division. Yeah, but based on the but defense. because of their defense. Yeah. And that I can see. I think uh, the boss, Chris, and NBC and Sunday Night Football, they did a good job of saying this is a home-spun defense. This is all homegrown. And there's a lot of youth there, and there's a, a lot of good pieces on this defense. Xavier Woods had a great game last night. A lot of players that can get after the quarterback and cover on the back end. Yeah, Demarcus Lawrence, uh, Randy Gregory had some big plays. Got himself a sack on Jason Peters. Um, and then Leighton Vanderesh coming in for Sean Lee has been playing really good. on absolute fire. So you've got Leighton Vanderesh, you've got Jalen Smith, at linebacker. That's a really impressive and athletic pairing. Byron Jones remains one of the top corners in the league, having made that transition from safety in this offseason. So I can, I can definitely see the case that that defense is the best defense in the division as long as Philadelphia stays as banged up as it is on the back end. They just can't stop people, even if they're still getting pressure up front. Um, and then you've got that Washington defense, which I think on its day is as good, if not better, than Dallas's. But they seem way more inconsistent. Like right? They are their their ability to kind of be hot and cold is way more than than this Dallas defense. I mean, when when Sean Lee's healthy, you have Sean Lee, Leighton Vander Esch, and, and this rejuvenated Jalen Smith. What a linebacking core that is! Because Leighton Vander Esch is just outstanding. Thirteen tackles that we gave him. 
five stops last night. Jalen Smith, again, just you know, starting to look like the player that he was before the injury as far as his athleticism goes and flying around the field making plays. Inconsistency from Chidabe Awuzie, but you could you could see the the talent from these guys. Byron Jones still having a very good season at corner, his first year at corner. I don't hate Mike's take. Well, I'll get the full breakdown on YouTube later, but um, if that offense that offense goes from bouts of like Dak, why are you taking that sack? And we still graded Dak pretty poorly in this game, but he still made a few nice throws, and they could scheme it up a little bit in the red zone and take advantage of his running ability. Zeke running the ball hard, and so. They're just there's just so much inconsistency, but you can see the potential there for Dallas. Yeah, and they're still getting uh, David Irving coming back. Like they haven't had him on the field. That's yet dangerous because of front. suspension. So yep. you get that as well. Um, you're actually in business. All right, let's fly through the rest of the league. The biggest surprise of the weekend, I think, Tennessee, thirty-four to ten over the New England Patriots. Usually, sometimes you see one of these games from the Patriots in a given year. We already had it against the Detroit Lions. The fact that it's happened again. <laughs> That's surprising. That's not that's not common in New England. And they, they were our number two coverage team coming in from a grading standpoint. But once again, in today's NFL, what does that even mean? You're tied for 15th. Yeah. They got torched. So the, the thing end. I think that I'm now enjoying the most from the Bill Belichick coaching tree is trolling. I think that's what his greatest gift to coaching, the coaching fraternity is when it comes to sending his underlings out into the world to, to grow on their own. So... We come because Belichick is well known for his trolling of everybody else, right? It kind of gets lost in the shuffle a lot because he just you know wins all the time, and I that's guess. obviously the most important thing to focus on. Who's he trolling? But he's always he's big on the trolling. So Belichick comes out; they run the same you know weird reverse pass to Tom Brady thing that they ran in the Super Bowl, where Tom Brady he, he couldn't quite catch it. That was an unideal. In this game, he caught it because it was, you know, well underthrown this time. Behind him. But now he couldn't catch turn without falling over. So, again, if look, Tom Brady, it turns out, is pretty good at throwing the ball to people. Fair to say? You know, general yeah. league-wide, pretty good at that. He's terrible at catching the ball. Awful. Like, useless. He can't either catch the ball or catch it and turn around without falling in his face. behind him. Right. And most people that who was like catch Daryl Patterson twice this year falling over on a pass would catch the ball, turn the around, flat. and make the first down. Tom Brady can't catch it, turn around without falling flat in his face. He's so 41. I would suggest that they stop throwing him that ball. They probably should. Anyway, a few plays after they did that, Vrabel hit them with the same play. Yeah. Epic, epic troll job. Absolutely outstanding. I mean, that is so far my favorite thing about what Vrabel has done is hit the master back. With his own troll job. Yeah. It's fantastic. And both of the former Patriots players slash coaches have absolutely dominated the Patriots this year. 34 to 10, the Titans beat the Patriots and the Lions beat the Patriots 26 to 10. I've made the point in the past, I think, does this happen back in 09 when Josh McDaniels went to the Broncos Mm -hmm. and they did a good job of shutting down the Patriots offense. And in my head, I'm like, man, when you take an offensive coach... They know the offense inside and out. They can shut down an offense. Because every time Brady gets to the line, McDaniels knows what he's thinking. And, and we saw this with John Gruden in the Super Bowl. He goes to Tampa Bay. Well, it helped that they didn't change their offense from when he well, left. That, there's that too. But, you know, Rich Gannon for the Raiders back in the day. Gruden was coaching him the year before. Then he's playing him in the Super Bowl with Tampa Bay. And they know every adjustment. They know everything. It's a lot easier. But now we're seeing the Patriots get shut down by Matt Patricia and by Vrabel. Guys who have some familiarity 
with the offense, but from the defensive point of view, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting because I'd never really thought that defensive guys had the type of insight to really shut down the offense that they know inside and out. Um, so Tennessee now becomes this in, in a league of, of average defenses. They're sitting near the top because if you're just looking at points against, they're doing a really good job. Um, I know they haven't played a ton of really good teams, but it's an impressive job keeping the, the Patriots to 10. They held, they held the Chargers to 20. I you know, think they haven't given up a ton of points. I know they played. They only held. They held Philadelphia to twenty three, Houston to seventeen. I think what you're seeing is that this idea that there's no top defense in the NFL. Every defense starts at fifteen in a league wide ranking. Yeah. But what? So I think what that is is a product of you can't do it week in week out. It's just too hard. The NFL offenses are too good. It's there's too much variance involved in trying to shut an offense down every single week the way you used to be able to. But I think what you're seeing is this group of sort of 10 defenses that in any normal time would be the top 10, but are now just 15 through 15. Um, That's it. Just so everybody understands, we're ranking every defense starting at 15. There's no top 14 defenses in the NFL. They're all 15th to 32nd. Right. So I think what you're seeing is this group of the top 15 defenses all being 15. Right. Any one of these is capable of a game where they shut down one of the top offenses in the NFL. And the Titans are one of the top 15. Yeah, they just can't do it week in, week out. They can't consistently do it against a series of good offenses. But you'll get a game like this where the Titans defense shuts down a good offense you'll get a game where baltimore's defense looks like you can't score on it there's there's a game in there or a couple of games for each one of these the patriots yeah for each one of these better than average defenses right which just shuts teams like the bears have had that as well where they just completely throttle on offense but they can't do it every single week the patriots are a top 15 defense they are one week removed from us saying wow they just held the packers to 17 Stephon Gilmore's playing corner as well as any corner in the NFL right now. Patrick Chung's having a great game. Well, Both of those guys get torched. Until he went up against Hall of Famer Corey Davis. There you go. That's the thing. Corey Davis, on his way to the gold jacket, yeah. has, to, has to torch Stephon Gilmore. Right. And he, he, did he, a great got, job him for, for, well, he got Gilmore for six catches and 98 yards and yeah. a touchdown. Gilmore had given up six in like the last six games. He mm-hmm. was he was shutting shutting guys down. Patrick Chung was playing some really good football and he got smoked yesterday. So that's the thing. Week to week, it's all week to week. You just want a defense that in the, in any one game setting right. can make things difficult for the opposing offense. If you're going up against the Rams or the Saints or some of these top teams, can you at least make things difficult? The Vikings are one of those teams. Yeah, particularly if you have a top offense yourself. Like, if you're a team like the Chiefs or the Saints or the Rams, you're not even talking about a game where your defense needs to show up. You just need them to show up for, like, possessions. Because yeah, all you need to do talking, is yeah. to win a possession or two back, and you win the game. Right. So another defense that's kind of like that this year is the Browns. Oh, God. They, go, they win 28-16. to 16. You're mad because you wanted to pick them. Or you accidentally picked them. I did them pick them, and then I went against it, yeah. You and I had the same picks this Ugh. week, so I'm assuming we have the same record. I haven't checked it yet. Well, I would assume that's how it works, yeah. Uh, Matt Ryan... Struggling outdoors. 100 passer rating, of course, because we have... I've seen more games where in the old... Like, we guys have had below average grades, below average PFF grades with a passer rating over 100. Well, basically I mean, this is like standard. Yeah, basically everybody has a 100 passer rating now. Yeah. This is just standard. So, again, I, the beauty of the PFF system, I think, is that we could say, this guy played a, a below average game, an average game. I don't care what the stats say, but we're just seeing way more guys with average games... And still really nice stats. So that was Matt Ryan yesterday. Didn't throw the ball particularly well. He really had that bad fumble 
at the end and everything that hurt his grade. So that's not going to show up in the stats anyway. And then Baker Mayfield had one of his best games as a pro. I think statistically it was, right? It had to be. Oh, it was definitely his best statistical um, game. Because he had the you know, screen pass for a touchdown and all that stuff. But throw for throw, he was, he was much better than he'd been in recent weeks. Yeah, Nick Chubb set a record for longest run from scrimmage for the Browns. 92 yards. Record which wasn't held by Jim Brown, by the way. Just, you know, random aside. Uh, Nick Chubb, by the way, is 28th in carries so far in the NFL, but 4th in yards after contact. So I, I love our yards after contact numbers, but we have to... He had 87 after contact on that run, I think. You know, it gets skewed by long runs here and there. Yeah. He's like averaging five yards per carry after contact. And yeah, he's because of the one really long well. run. 155 well, yards after contact out of 176 He's had several yesterday. very yard, long runs, he which are helping. Um, he's busted through 24 tackles in 94 carries. I mean, he should have been the guy for a while. Yeah. Right from the outset, basically. I mean, uh, that's why they traded away Carlos Hyde. I mean, it's just looking smarter and smarter. Joe Schobert back into the lineup, playing some excellent... Inside linebacker, TJ Carey making plays all over the field, Sam. What is going on? Well, the important thing is when Baker got himself in trouble, scrambling to right field, he looked up and Rashad Higgins was there in the end zone for a touchdown. We got to do splits. And that's how you win the game. Do we have Baker splits when Higgins is on and off the field? We should look that up. You throw the ball to Rashad Higgins and good things happen. Now, okay, they only did it once in that game, but it was a 28-yard touchdown. Yeah. So the Falcons continue to disappoint us because they also looked like a team... That should have been six and four in a couple weeks, and you know, creeping back into the NFC playoff playoff picture. That back seven, though, just so depleted. I don't think they could do my Jordan Richards out there with the starting unit. Well, that's usually a bad thing. Yeah, only played twenty snaps, but I mean, they're they're just so depleted. I think on the back end, it's it's just tough for them to compete at this point. Plus, you know, playing outdoors. The Browns' defense, though, did a really good job this week. TJ Carey basically going one on one with Julio Jones for most of the game would seem like a terrible idea yeah. on paper. But Carey actually did a really good job against Julio Jones. He, um, he had a pass breakup in there. He had tight coverage for a lot of it. Only gave up 43 yards total despite being targeted 10 times. Like, that's a really impressive performance against somebody who should have been or should have outmatched him. All right, we've got... Uh, so we have a debate for the people that are watching here. Oh, yeah? A lot of people are debating uh, about Mitch Trubisky. Uh-huh. Which is always... You know, Chicago Bears... Bears fans listen to us quite a bit. Appreciate all of our Bears fans. And we've been harsh on Mitch Trubisky. Not because of anything personal, but because we grade every single play and every single throw. So going back to this point of guys with negative grades and good stats, I mean, he's the epitome of that this year, just so you can see. Just check out this breakdown. We've got three, two elite games. Yesterday was one of them for Trubisky. Yeah, would you like the numbers? And the rest are below average games yes i would like to see so this numbers. season we have one game of 93.7 against the bucks in week four one game of 88.6 this most recent game against the detroit lions we have uh one two three games in the 40s one two three three more games in the 50s and the highest other game outside of those two spectacular games was one at 65.1 so basically Trubisky has been terrible from a grading standpoint outside of those two spectacular games. Yeah, so let's explain what some of the discrepancies are, okay? When you have a guy that has great numbers and doesn't have great grades, the easy explanation is he's either getting a lot of luck, a lot of luck, or a lot of help from his playmakers and or scheme. 
I think this is a little bit of both. He has 11 turnover-worthy plays, only seven interceptions. Some of those turnover-worthy plays, really, really bad. Yeah. Ugly ones. Um, that's just throws, turnover-worthy throws. That's a, that's a pretty good ratio for his interceptions. And a lot of yards after the catch leading to touchdowns. A lot of scheme-based yardage for Mitch Trubisky. Even though, even though he's throwing the ball down the field a little bit, um, wide open receivers down the field too, that's, that's also a factor. It's all going to show up in the grading. Not all 50-yard touchdowns are the same in our grading system. So why can't we just say, look, Trubisky has a lot of developing to do as an actual quarterback, but for now they're doing a good job of scheming him up and helping him out statistically. And, he's had, and he has a game like yesterday where he was outstanding. Yeah, this is, so what we said coming into this year is that Trubisky has maybe has one of the best situations around him of any quarterback. They're bringing in Matt Nagy, who comes from this Kansas City offense that was tearing the league up, the uh, Philadelphia offense as well from last season that was doing such a good job. The RPOs they run, the additions of all these playmakers on offense in addition to the ones they already had, like Tariq Cohen, Jordan Howard, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So on paper, this looked like a phenomenal situation for Trubisky to be in. And then the only question was, how good could he be? Because that really is what was going to determine how good the Bears are, right? right? But what you need to bear in mind, therefore, is that there's, given what we've just said, that how great this situation is, there's like a percentage that you need to take off any statistics that he creates because the situation is so good. So we've just talked about all these things that are going to make life so much easier for him. Therefore, any numbers that he produces are not the same as any numbers some other quarterback might produce who doesn't have this great situation working for them. Now, I did, I did glance. So here's the other thing, too. We've already got Bears fans leaving. They're all pissed off. Um, only six drops this year. And this was the thing I said about Deshaun Watson last year. When you have so few drops, if you j- that's far far better than the league average. If you just call that league average all of a sudden, that drops you like five to ten points off your passer rating immediately. Right. Uh, Trubisky is now number four in ESPN's QBR, which I don't pay a ton of attention to, but I do enough just because just for some perspective. I think QBR overrates rushing a little bit and he's been a fantastic rushing quarter i mean he's done a great job within scheme and as a scrambler he's had a ton of value as a runner he has an 85.8 rushing grade right now which is outstanding for a quarterback so there is value with his legs and we might undervalue rushing quarterbacks a little bit i think qbr overvalues it we might undervalue it a touch because we do focus a little bit more on passing because quarterback passing is Still more valuable. Um, but that, that could also be part of the disconnect. It doesn't explain a 101.6 passer rating, though, in a 60.6 or 54.4 passing grade. That discrepancy is massive, and that screams scheme and playmakers and luck yeah, right I mean, now. L- luck is a big part of it in drops. So Trubisky has six drops on the season from 333 dropbacks. Baker Mayfield has 319 dropbacks and 20 drops. And drops aren't necessarily just incomplete passes because more than one of Baker Mayfield's drops have actually ended up in the hands of defensive oh, backs and they've become yeah. interceptions. Yep. So we're not just talking about the effect incompletions have on your passer rating. You're talking about what happens if a completed pass becomes an interception and just takes a sledgehammer to your passer rating. Like, that's what we're talking about here, this Mitch Trubisky thing. If he had, let's say, five more drops and two of them would become interceptions, you're now talking about a guy who doesn't have a 101.6 passer rating. He's got, like, a 92 passer rating. And people are saying, well, he's okay, I guess. 
Uh, let me just be more specific now with the the actual breakdown too. All if, if you guys use that YouTube promo code and you get premium stats, you get PFF Elite Premium Stats 2.0. Go check out Mitch Trubisky's page and click under report. You go passing pressure. This was the report that um, Zach Robinson, our QB guru, said coming out of college, blitz recognition is a huge part of Trubisky's game and development, and we haven't seen it yet. He has a 34.7 grade when blitzed. Now, the blitz is just a play call, and usually the grades and the stats between a blitz or a no blitz are pretty much about the same. Blitzing is actually not more favorable for the defense or the offense. It all ends up about the same. So he has a 72.5 grade when he's not blitzed. That drops to 34.7 when he is blitzed. That's a massive discrepancy in a weakness that defensive coordinators can and should exploit because Trubisky's pre-snap recognition on blitzes has not been great. But even there, passer rating still 89.9 on blitzes. Again, showing play calling, screens at the right time. Like, there's a lot happening there in Trubisky's favor because he has not played well in those situations. So I just decided to run the numbers on the passer rating. Oh, you did? Let's say. I love what you do. Let's that. say 10 of his incompletions. Let's, let's say 10 of his completions were, became drops, right? We only give, we go from, uh, what was it, six? We go from six to 16. So he still got four less than Baker, but he now has 10 more drops. Uh, I took about 100 yards off his, you know, 10 yards per completion, let's say. That's, That's fair. fair yeah. And two of them became interceptions. That takes his passer rating from 101.6 to 94. You gave him two interceptions, though? That seems harsh. But that's what happened to Baker, right? This, that's that's the point I'm making. Two of those 10 drops became interceptions. So that's the kind of effect. It's nothing that he did. Literally, right. he's attempted the exact same passes, but his receivers have been 10 drops worse, right. two of which have bounced into the hands of defenders. Through no fault of Trubisky whatsoever, the same level can produce like an eight-point swing in passer rating. Yeah, so we're just trying to add proper perspective here to, uh, to everybody. So I think Bears fans should say, hey, there's room to improve. He's putting up good numbers, and there's room to improve, that this is which good we news, expect him to do. Right? This is all good news I because so. Trubisky's playing... That the overall offense is producing this level of passer rating and therefore production. And Trubisky isn't playing that well with the exception of two outstanding games. If he does start to play well and the offense is still generating that kind of production. Then they're dangerous. Then they're real dangerous. Then they're terrifying. Uh, so full credit to Trubisky. Another uh, top-notch game against the Lions yesterday. But overall, uh, hasn't, been, hasn't been great. All right. What other season. games have we got to hit? We got a lot to hit. Still, let's quick. Patrick Mahomes. There, um, there's a debate in our in our live chat here, Sam. If he's human, there's a request for a DNA test. There's a debate if he's human. Yeah. Okay. He is pretty awesome. Another outstanding game for him, despite them only scoring 26 points. The Cardinals started to make this a little bit of a game. Then Josh Rosen, what a pick six or interception that was by Justin Houston. Yeah. Reading the screen and peeling off. We talked about D Ford and Chris Jones getting after the quarterback, but yeah, having Justin Houston back. Man, this this Chiefs defense well, also, starts getting better and the better. The guys on the back end that we wrote off earlier in the season as being maybe the worst secondary in the game haven't been, right? They're yeah. all Each one of those guys is capable of a terrible game. So we've seen Steven Nelson get absolutely eviscerated. We've seen Orlando Scandra give up a ton of plays. Um, they've been absolutely killed on certain plays. But overall, over the year, they've actually been pretty good. Like, Steven Nelson has been pretty impressive. Skandrick has been pretty impressive. So those guys collectively are not actually that bad. Now you, you team that with these 
three pass rushers that are actually making an impact. Chris Jones. You ever had, seen a game like this, by the way? Those great, way. the pass rush grades? Yeah, Chris Jones had seven total pressures. D. Ford had eight total pressures. Justin Houston had five total pressures and a batted pass and the interception. Uh, Chris Jones also had two batted passes, by the way. So that is an absolute ton of pressure coming from three guys, which is more than enough to shore up any deficiencies on the back end, of which there are fewer as the season goes. I don't think I've ever seen a game with three top-notch pass rush grades like that. Maybe like with Denver in their heyday. Um, I guess the Eagles over the last couple years. we got to check, but this is... 82.5 82.5 pass rush grade for Houston, 84.1 for D Ford, 91.2 for Chris Jones. All those stats that you mentioned, those guys were outstanding yesterday. I know it's the Cardinals, though. Yeah. That's the Cardinals offensive line. So they they won. They did what they should have, even though the Cardinals, they made it a nice game. They made it a, a competitive game. It's kind of impressive this game was quarter. as close as it was, given. That's, no. that's kind of like the nature of the NFL. It's not always like, oh, this looks like it'll be a 51-7 to game. It just It just doesn't always play out like that like the Raiders yesterday they kept it somewhat close against the Chargers 20 to 6 did they Rivers kept throwing YOLO balls yesterday that was weird against a really good I mean not so good Raiders defense but the Raiders D played played tough I just can't figure out Derek Carr was was on this upward trajectory in his career and it's just uh going the other way he is broken as a quarterback I mean, we've talked before about this idea that you can destroy a quarterback. I don't know. So right up until the point, he his ankle was broken, right? They were headed for the AFC Championship game that year. Derek Carr's ankle gets broken. He's really never been the same guy since. It's true. I don't know if he's inherently been gun-shy since he broke his ankle or if that coincides with the time that offensive line began its decline to what it is now, which is terrible. Um, but he has not been the same guy since that injury. And he has some of the most concerning pocket presence you will see from any NFL quarterback right now, which is just get panics in the pocket. If there's any, if anything comes near him, he panics, starts running around, just flings the ball away. There are times where he does that despite nothing coming near him, just panics in a clean pocket, yes. does something crazy. Throwing the ball away on fourth down, you know, people said, oh, it's a screen. I mean, it may it have wasn't been, but though. Well, it was a pick play. I was talking to... Uh, even if it had been, nobody was downfield. And B, it's yeah. fourth down. What is your alternative? Right. Even if someone throws just, something. Just chuck it. Like, right. Throw it into the ground. You're literally just giving up. Yeah. So that's bad. Um, Maurice Hurst had a sack. Yay. Raiders pass rush. They had uh, 11 charged or assigned pressures on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, Derwin right. James. Did we give him a sack for that? <laughs> You desperately want Derwin to get given a sack. I was begging for it. I think if you watch the replay, though, Derwin James comes around on a stunt, absolutely destroys the running back. Yeah. And Derek Carr tries to dive out of the way. Uh Now, granted, Derwin didn't touch him. Yeah. There's a problem. But he deserves credit. He scared Derek Carr to the ground. And then someone else picked up the cleanup. But as I have just got through finishing telling you, you don't actually need to get near Derek Carr to scare him into doing something silly. Oh, maybe days. it wasn't that impressive. Right. Derwin James still remains the best pass rusher as a rookie. He did have two pressures. Come at me, Bradley Chubb fans. Two pressures, including one that was against Colton Miller. One that should have been attacker. a sack. One yeah. that should have been a sack. But it wasn't. Only you know. six rushes. He had the two pressures. I'm Both afraid very impressive. you're going to have to deal with it and move uh, on. Just love Derwin James and really scary. <laughs> what The Chargers are another top 15 defense, especially with Nick Bosa. Uh, Joey Bosa. Joey I'm going to be doing that a lot. Yeah. The next couple of years, Joey Bosa is going to be back. Yeah, at some point. 
Uh, Melvin Ingram, sack hit, a couple hurries, great game as, as a run defender. So that's that game. Another uh, another game that could have easily been a blowout, but, you know, 20-6. to six, They kept it a little close. I think we got three more to fly through. Jaguars at the Colts. Leonard Fournette comes back <laughs> for the Jaguars. <laughs> Didn't there. miss a beat. So Bortles had an 80-yard touchdown. Was it Moncrief? Yeah, the Moncrief, Moncrief revenge game. There was a point in this game where Bortles had like five attempts at like 25 yards per attempt. And Fournette had 13 carries at 2.8 yards per attempt. And it's just like, why are we wasting this many plays? Why are you wasting that many plays? He didn't miss a beat, Steve. The NFL told me. Hey, there are partners now. Let's not let's not criticize the NFL. We partner with them. I don't know if you guys have seen our game previews on NFL.com, but we were watching this game at the time. Um, It was like Leonard Fournette has been completely and utterly ineffective, and yet they are going to pound him in from the one yard line so that his touchdown statistics look good. And we all say, "Wow, Leonard Fournette's back." The Jags. This is exactly what they needed. This is exactly what the Jags have been missing all this time. Like, he has been terrible. And for some reason, we're going to pound him in from the one-yard line and make it look like he was good. He had eight carries off of left end or right end, so outside the tight end. Eight carries for four yards. I mean, overall, his grade was pretty average, right? He had a touchdown. But 24 carries for 53 yards, which is 2.2 per carry. And it's not like he was busting a bunch of tackles to make that happen. Right? He had two. Yeah, two broken tackles on 24 touches, 24 the, carries. That's not good. This was him last year. Even on the like, even when he was going, there was a stretch where he had like four to five yards per carry or whatever. Yeah. He went like 60 carries in a row last year without forcing a missed tackle, meaning he would get, when the offensive line was blocking well, he'd get four or five yards. He hits it pretty hard. He's got pretty good speed and power, and he'd turn five, four or five yards into seven or eight. You know what he is? Without missing any tackles. What is he? He's 2018 Thomas Jones. Oh, I had a feeling that was coming. But he's way more explosive. Is he? Way though? more powerful. Is he, though? Yes. Is he, though? So it looks better. The results, the, the results there, man. And the results there. He also caught five catches for 56 yards, by the way. Just that, to complete his game. Well, that was... That's where all his grade is, by the way. That's the good part of his grade. The well, actual should, running part of it was bad. We should be talking about him in a positive light, then. But here, here's... So what Leonard Fournette is, is a guy who will get you exactly what is there. And no more and no less, which is what Thomas Jones did for years. It's yeah. not a terrible thing. It just means that you need to fix everything else. That's what we've been saying about running backs. They he had a 90-yard make... run last year. Yes, yes, he did. But so th- That's there's... the part, actually, that should be used against him. He had a 90-yard run, which was completely yeah. a busted gap by the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he still averaged under four yards per carry last The year. problem with these freak running backs in terms of size, weight, thing, right? This guy, you get a guy that's 6'3", 245 pounds, and he can run a 4'4" right? Those guys, you're too big to actually make the kind of broken tackles you need to make. You're only actually going to have any effect if you get like a 10-yard right ahead of steam and you get to plow straight at a guy who you outweigh by 45 pounds, which is not happening that often. So, you know, if you look, even take a guy like Adrian Peterson, right? Fournette outweighs Peterson by like 25 pounds, but Peterson breaks way more tackles because it's the short, small, quick moves that break the tackles, not the ones where you just lumber straight at a guy and hope you run right over the top of him. Those are the plays that we loved watching in college. Well, because it happens in college, right? Because there's right. people that are built like me trying to tackle him there, yes. right? I weigh 180 
175 actually at the moment. Hmm. 176 last time. Anyway, 175 ish, right? 175. I'm 276. Going, yeah, well, you know, you're a larger gentleman than I am. Thank you. So 175, trying to tackle a guy that weighs 245 pounds. If he has any kind of head of steam, I'm pretty screwed, right? But an NFL defensive back weighs 200. It's yeah. not the same thing. You're being, you know, you're a pretty impressive physical specimen yourself at 200 pounds. You're not simply being run the hell over by a guy that weighs just because he weighs 245 pounds. So Derrick Henry relatively struggles at the next level. Fournette struggles at the next level. They just don't have the impact they have in college. We're seeing this a little bit with receivers too. Nikhil Harry's a guy. Uh, I was just talking to Mike Renner about him. Makes freakish play size and everything right. in college. But it's going to come down to if you're the contested catch guy, if you're not a guy that can create separation in mm-hmm. today's NFL, your value is so diminished. You right. don't need to be 6'3". I'm more you to the point. You need to get yeah. open as a receiver and yes. as a running back. You need to get open as a receiver as well, but you need to be able to make guys miss in tight spaces. Yeah, and that's the thing. So the guys that are so devastating right now are receiving weapons and guys that can make you miss in a short area, yeah. not guys that can run in a straight line at you and hope you break a tackle. Let's discuss the Colts real quick because it's just not, it's just weird seeing this. The Eric Andrew Ebron Luck, show? The what? The Eric Ebron show? Yeah, Ebron, man. But look at Andrew Luck. 29 dropbacks, only, only under pressure seven times. You know, this combination of the scheme, quick passing game, and the offensive line improving. And that leads to games where he has a 129.4 passer rating from a clean pocket, which was about three quarters of his dropbacks instead of half of his dropbacks. Yeah. It's a completely different deal in Indianapolis the one interception that he had wasn't even his fault Ebron's getting open I mean this Colts offense is rolling right Ebron, now. Ebron by the way I still don't think is particularly good but is more a product of this is what happens when you have a functioning passing game rather than you know look Ebron's turned the corner he's become the dynamic devastating weapon we all thought he would be when we drafted him in the first round he's still much better than he, he's still better than he was in Detroit yeah because he he's was still terrible really, in Detroit he's only 25 and a half years old <laughs> Right? He was really young. But he scored nine touchdowns this year, right? So consequently, everybody's saying... I don't care about the touchdowns. But everybody else does. There's everybody saying, look... Well, it's a fantasy breakout. Look, it's Eric Ebron's broken out. He's amazing now. He's incredible. Three touchdowns this week. It's like, okay. But he is... Play- but just the body control he's had along the sideline in a couple of those plays and running away from defenses. A bunch of them are busted coverages. The touchdown thing, I don't care. He's because you can few- have a breakout year and have three touchdowns. He's made a few nice plays. I'm just saying he isn't actually that good right now. And he's more a product of what is being schemed open than he is of him playing amazing. Fine. Uh, Quentin Nelson killed a guy. That was nice. On the pole. But uh, AFC South's getting interesting. Colts, Texans, Titans. It was always pretty interesting. All of them making a run. Let's just end. Is that all the games? No. Did we hit everything? No. The AFC East happened. Oh, it did? The Packers beat the Dolphins 31-12. to Yeah. Brock, I mean, it was inevitable Brock was going to throw some sort of bad pick at one point, right? That happened. You did. And then the uh, Matt Barkley Bills. Oh, God. Matt, Matt Barkley game. led Bills 41 to 10 over the Josh McCown led Jets. I forgot about that game entirely. Yeah, the Bills. As did most of our listeners, so we're not going to touch on it. Too much. somebody. I mean, the Bills have a really good defense, and every now and again, if the offense plays well, you have a beatdown like that. I think. How about that, this Bills season? I think that the Bills should just make everybody that's ever been a quarterback on their roster should just get to attempt passes every game. Logan Thomas completed a pass in this game, tight end Logan Thomas. Former quarterback. I love um, it. I think they should just let them all do it. Terrell Pryor, Logan Thomas, they should just, the whole, everybody should get to, get a turn. I'm all in on it. Robert Foster comes out of nowhere. Maybe in the huddle. Game for them. Maybe in the huddle they could use, you know, the, uh, the like spinning thing that you use for uh, Twister? Yes. 
So everybody everybody gets their own little avatar. Right hand right? blue is on the twister Anderson. thing. You bring it out, somebody just spins in. It's like, oh, Terrell's taking this pass. Terrell gets to play quarterback this snap. I'm all for it. I think this is what we should do. That's the only way to make the Bills exciting. Also, Kelvin Benjamin. I mean, why? It just ugh. Is that ugh. What you think of Kelvin Benjamin? Yeah. So there was a deep pass, beautiful pass, by the way, by mm-hmm. Matt Barkley. Deep corner, left of the left corner of the end zone. Perfect for a guy who is a jump ball specialist. I'm a contested catch guy. I'm going up to win what is not even a particularly contested catch. Like, I'm so much bigger than the guy trying to cover me. Going yeah. right up over his head, high-pointing the ball, and I still fail to come down with it. Like, at that point, what is the point in being Kelvin Benjamin? If you can't come down with that pass, you are literally useless. You have no purpose to this offense if you can't come down with that. To the point where they then threw the ball to their left tackle instead. He caught it. He caught it. Right. Yes. Deion Dawkins. It wasn't contested, though. Deion Dawkins may be a better big-bodied receiver than Kelvin Benjamin. Oh, God. That's how pointless Kelvin Benjamin is in this offense. Is he the Leonard Fournette of receivers? No. He's far worse. Because Leonard Fournette will get you what's there. Kelvin Benjamin is not even getting you what's there. Well, he is he, failing he to get what's get there. If you're, if you're a contested catch guy, it means you can't get open. And if you can't catch contested catches, then you're useless. Yes. Per Sam. Yes. You're not That wrong. is exactly what I'm saying. Do you have anything on the Packers-Dolphins game? Well, the Packers won. That's it. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Jones busting through some wide open holes. Frank Gore kind of bums me out, right? Not because Frank Gore is not you're good. You're so mad at Frank Gore. He's still... That, in fact, that's why he bums me out, because he's still good, right? He's 122 years old, coming out of college, durability was the question mark, and now he just keeps on trucking. He's now set an NFL record for most consecutive seasons with, was it 500? 500, yeah. Which is a weird thing, like a weird stat to be collecting. I think that's what you say to me all all Sunday as we watch the games, like, who comes up with this stat? Who comes up with this? I mean, we're a stat But also, company, like now, people are like 500 yards is nothing. Like it's, I mean, a thousand yards is nothing. Because you 500? need some way to quantify how just slightly above average Frank Gore has been for a really like five hundred is literally just a durability stat. That is the stat that says you have never been injured for any significant period of time <laughs> right. in your career. The end. But the two people that he uh, that had thirteen were Walter Payton and Emmett Smith. So I guess there's something to this idea of the durability thing. But anyway, rushing numbers are high. The point year. is, it's taking it's snaps away from Kenyon Drake, who got hurt. It's banged up. But it's been taking snaps away from him anyway. No, I know. And I know. the only person left on that roster is Kalen Balazs, whose snaps appear to be just a, another comic troll job. So far this season, Kalen Balazs has played one snap, two snaps, three snaps, one snap, four snaps, five snaps. It's going to go up now. <laughs> Get him in the Wildcat like Arizona State was. He's, he's played 16 snaps across, what is that, six games? Well, the Dolphins still have a two-game lead for second place at the AFC East. Okay. So there's that. Yeah. That's a thing. It is. Is that every game? Have we hit everything? If you guys endured our AFC East talk right now, we're going to give you 25% off our products at profootballfocus.com. Use the promo code YouTube. So whether you're listening on the podcast or you're watching us live on YouTube, you can use the promo code YouTube for 25% off down the stretch here. Get your green line picks. Get your premium stats 2.0. Everything you need. That'll do it for us this week. Week 10 is in the books. We'll be back Thursday, Thursday night, Friday morning with Sam's big prediction for Seahawks Packers and an entire week 11 preview. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. 
quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray and his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back, so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash Pro Football Focus NFL.